Welcome everyone to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that uh, Atlanta won the World Series. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm so, Paul. Scott yeah, was Scott was still what? Scott is still shocked that his team has yeah, won the World like, Series. I, yeah, he's like, what is the joke? I don't see the joke there. And then it's like, oh right. I couldn't really think of one that I wanted to do because I wanted to be nice because I'm I'm happy for you, my friend, and and you know you even though you like slept through it and then woke up to the good news. <laughs> literally um, watched zero minutes of the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's approximately won. the same as most people in North America since yeah. the games were ending at about 12:15 every morning. Yeah. Um I also watch zero minutes of the World Series, but in any event, uh, our friend Scott gets to hoist a trophy uh over his head when he returns to America. Um mm-hmm. but for now, no trophies cuz it's only week 8 coming or week 8 uh, but the Bills are in, um, you know, if this was a, a low A baseball team, I guess they could be the first half champions. They um, notched another victory, 26 to 11 over the Miami Dolphins. Paul described this as a typical start slow and finish the game post bye week McDermott game and felt like uh, there wasn't much, much to report. Um, I will say it didn't quite, it, it felt a little more intense during the game. I was kind of annoyed oh, because yeah. it was on Halloween and mm-hmm. I had all but you know, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I had all but basically assured my wife that I would be available for the early afternoon parties um, because, you know, the Bills would certainly have it in the bag by the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, they didn't. And so uh, they uh, it's hard to say they didn't because Miami wasn't really doing anything either. We'll, we'll go through it. But just, you know, quickly to a tag of Viola, 21 to 39 for 205 yards and an interception. Um, not much done on the ground by the Dolphins either. Um, which was strange only because they really felt like they controlled the clock in the first half. That's because the Bills were really giving it away. Josh Allen, 29 of 42, 249 yards, two touchdowns throwing, another 55 yards rushing, and another touchdown um, running. And uh, we will have an AFC Player of the Month in this game that we'll get to. Um, We'll have, I'm sure, some really good three stars. But let's turn to um, Paul first. Paul, why why don't you lay that out for us and let us know how you um, you know, what your thought process was during the game and, and, and sort of what, if anything, you make of it in, in terms of the bigger picture. Yeah. And for once I've, I've typed out all my notes, which guarantees that I will not, uh, go off the rails. So I think, yeah, it did feel more intense during the game. Uh, I was definitely thinking, okay, the first half has gone by. They're not really doing much, but I also was never to the point where I was, Worried, and I mentioned to you this being a typical, or you guys, this being a typical Bills post bye week game. They are now five and zero under McDermott uh, after the bye week, and all five of those have gone pretty much the same way. They had a, a, a Buccaneers game in 2017, a, a terrible Buccaneers team that the Bills gave up a lead with like three minutes left, and then came back and won. And then a Jaguars game when the Jaguars were similarly terrible, and they needed some late heroics from Josh to win. And then the Chargers game last year. And then I just looked up the one from 2019. Oh, it was the Miami team that was winless. And the Bills had the onside kick return for a touchdown by a high to win it by 10. So those are the types of games they typically do coming out of the bye. They win, but they play, they've play. they played inferior teams in all of them. And they seem to be just a little bit shaky. Um, this was kind of the opposite of the Titans game in terms of defense. I feel this time they struggled early. They gave up a lot of third down conversions. They got some breaks with the missed field goal and the bot snap that hit Gesicki. 
Uh, and then they seemed to get in order. That, that Dolphins TD drive was aided by a bomb to Gesicki. Uh, but otherwise, they shut down Gaskin. Levi Wallace, after struggling for a half, got Waddle under control. Uh, and I read, instead of rotating all four defensive ends in and out at random, they pretty much did an old guys formation where they had Hughes and Addison and then the young guys with Rousseau and Epineza in the second half. And that seemed to work better. And the, the defense did a good job by helping flip that time of possession, which was seven minutes in favor of Miami. Uh, by forcing a lot of three and outs, and that actually caused the Bills to win the the uh, time of possession battle. On offense, I think they had some poor play calling much of that first half. Uh, they did lots of running on second and long, which we've seen some charts on, and not taking what the Miami defense was giving them. But again, eventually then you see, okay, here's, we've assessed Beasley as a mismatch because they've got their third corner or their safety on him. You can get five to 10 yards on floater screens to Moss, as I call them. You just kind of float the ball up and Moss catches it and then runs for five or 10 yards. You can hit Tommy Sweeney for 10 yards here and there. He's no Dawson Knox, but you can pick up some first downs. And then as that defense starts creeping up, you hit a slant to Diggs for the TD. So it took them some time to get going, just like the defense, but they did. And then my special teams impressions I'll wrap up with which is uh, Hawk really makes me miss Boho. Uh, McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie, man, uh, you can be dynamic. And I will say is the sole skill player holdover from the 2018 Bills team, besides Josh, of course, I really want you to succeed, but we need some better decisions on these, these kick returns because that was almost a disaster. And uh, Bass, yeah, we're going to talk about him later on. But let's say it says a lot about the coach's confidence in you when instead of going for it on fourth and six in the first quarter, you're like, you know, let's just kick a 57-yard field goal. So, so good on him. And that was my my macro impression of this game against the Dolphins. Uh, so yeah, I think, yeah, obviously Paul hit a lot of the key points. I think, um, you know, for me, this one it is some of the bye week game piece of it. I think some of it is playing a Miami team for a second time um, that clearly was kind of outclassed. And I think what they did was they came into this game with a much different attitude of like, okay, we need to kind of just buckle in and try and hang on here. Um, much like uh, in, in some ways, Bill's teams of the past would play um, a lot of quick throws, a kind of uh, a change up to their defense to, to, to make them uh, both more aggressive, but also kind of run more zone coverage when they're typically kind of more of a man team. Um, so, and that is kind of things you do when you know your original plan isn't going to work because they ran their original plan week one and obviously Tagovailoa got hurt early. Um, the Bills tried to heat them up with those safety blitzes um, again and 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 Tua, to his credit, was ready. Like they, they were getting the ball out quickly. They were able to stay on the field. Um, were they marching up and down the field consistently to, to, to score points or having big plays? No. But they were playing, they were trying to give themselves a puncher's chance. And that's what they did. They hung around. They hoped the Bills would make a mistake. Um, they We kind of made enough mistakes. Um, but then, obviously, the Gesicki play happens, and they make their fatal mistake kind of right when they had a chance to actually put some pressure on the Bills and go in, uh, going up 10-3 at the half. And they don't. And then the Bills kind of, you know, obviously were able to kind of come in. And obviously, you give a lot of credit to both Dable and to Leslie Frazier to kind of, again, you know, obviously the Dolphins still scored after half, but Frazier kind of, I think, did a better job of, of trying to clamp down on some of the things that they were doing, limit Parker a little bit, um, though Parker still had obviously had a pretty good game. Um, and then, you know, again, that's that's what we're going to see. As, and then Dable, obviously, you know, spending more time throwing the flares, 
um, figuring out how to deal with those zero coverages and the big blitzes that Miami was sending. Um, you know, those were uh, those were effective for Miami in the first half, and we had figured them out in the second. And that's what a good team can do is they can adjust and play and beat you in different ways when they're trying to take away different stuff. And Miami, again, is not, you know, it, it's it's a, you know, whatever, they're the Dolphins, I don't feel that bad. But, you know, a team that probably shouldn't be one and seven and, and lost a couple close games, but um, certainly more talented than your typical kind of one and seven team, but not not at the talent level of the Bills. And the Bills kind of out coached them and out executed them. And, and it was good to see. Obviously, it was good to see Allen still kind of put it together. Um, nice to see him get the 50th. Uh, what was it? The rushing touchdown. Yeah, like the, the most game. rushing touchdowns in 50 games, first 50 games tying with Cam, I think. Yeah. Um, and to kind of, you know, have a little bit in a, in a bit of a chippy, chippy game, kind of have the last laugh. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that you can take away too many lessons for the whole season from this one, other than just kind of the point that, yeah, you're going to get teams who are going to try and drag it down to their level and try and slow the game down. And, and you know, that's that's a legitimate formula that we're going to have to work through and, and we're going to have to continue to do what we do here, which is, yeah, we, 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 we outplayed them. You just got to stick with it, try not to make mistakes and then make your adjustments and um, let your superior talent kind of find the way. And that's what they did. And um, I think the only other thing I'll add was I think the run game, I thought the run game wasn't actually that terrible. I think it was, um, it was, I think that the, some of the choices in the run game were kind of poorly timed um, but yeah, obviously the, this was not a, a, a great, certainly was not the run game's best day. Um, but I think some of that is, I think Miami was trying to do, trying to take away more of it um, under the theory that they would then deal with the, use the blitz to stop the pass. Um, and I think obviously, you know, we're, it's not the strength of the team. It's nice to have the balance and to at least make teams think about it. So I say we still stick with it, but that's, that's it for me. It was good if you counted Josh, the run game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alan, Alan had 55 yards on eight carries, so that was that was a plus. He does count as a runner, yes. Um, well, it's kind of the re- I didn't really put it together until Scott said it, but um, it's kind of the reverse of most Patriots, not most, but many Patriots Bills games sure. in the last 20 years. Seri- where, well, series really. Right. There's one blowout, and then there's one where we kind of hang out with them. Yeah. Right, and you give yourself that chance, and generally in the second half, the superior talent finds a way. There's adjustments that are made, and it's not just Miami is not a great team. Um, You know, I I was tweeting with Paul during this game, and I think I had said their best bet is to stop kind of whatever their game plan is and tell a guy like Diggs or Beasley to get open, right, and to stop trying to do this. And now – there's a much more sophisticated answer about how, um, and I think Joe B wrote about it on the athletic about how the bills, you know, dolphins were playing a lot of, uh, zero man and they are, um, and, uh, you know, that was a thing that really would frustrate Allen, um, in the, in the beginning of his career. And he hadn't seen it in a long time, right? He, they were blitzing him, which nobody had done in a long time. And, and, and so it, it took him a little while to adjust. And then when they did adjust, then he was able to sort of pick it apart. But it, it, to me, the comeback really sort of begins and ends with Cole Beasley's play because Cole absolutely abused the guy that was covering him. And that was the, that was the script a number of times last year where um, I mean, multiple games where Cole Beasley would come into the second half and get basically eight to 10 of his 12 catches or whatever 
in the second half and just sort of first down after first down after first down. And eventually Stefan Diggs, you know, will get open or they'll leave room for Josh Allen to score. I think some of the play calling was a bit baffling. I was a little surprised they didn't adjust sooner. But one of the good thoughts that I heard on the radio um, was that maybe uh, maybe Allen and company weren't, quote unquote, feeling it yet. There could have been an issue where. Okay, they're they're running a lot and they're not doing stuff, but so they what they don't want to do is you know send Allen out there and tell him to force the issue yet, you know try and get him mitigated into the game and then when you get into a more comfortable position, okay we're gonna we're gonna readjust this way and sort of have like a, a like a mini you know get, get to that game planning stage, um, but you know that 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 you know against a competent team or a, a, a mediocre team even. The Bills are probably going into the half down, you know, probably at least six, if not 10 uh, for Miami. And then Miami gets the ball on the on the back end. And so they have a much more a, a better chance. Um, <clears throat> but thankfully, they got in their own way a bit. Um, and, and, and I don't want to take too much away from the defense. I mean, ultimately, they scored 11 points. And and that is in part due to what the defense was doing. Um, so there you go. I mean, it'll be interesting as we as we kind of go forward but this is just one of those games i think you get out of there with a win and you look back and you don't have to think about it too much and i'm sure there were plenty of patriots bills and patriots jets games where they were like well you know you thought you were going to blow them out but you won by you still won by two scores and they just kind of came late when the when you know they can't keep up anymore so uh yeah when you brought that up frank and i thought about that actually during the week like how many of these i mean there was two decades where the patriots pretty much swept Buffalo at the very least one, one out of two from like 2000 to 2019. Yeah. How many of those 40 games did the bills have the lead going into the fourth quarter? Probably at least a dozen and couldn't several yeah. where it came down to the last drive or a couple of drives where something crazy happened and the bills lost or TJ Graham runs a route poorly and Fitzpatrick throws a potential game winning touchdown. That's an inter- instead intercepted that happened a bunch. So yeah. it's just going to happen, especially in these crazy divisional games. Uh, that second game is, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I think, I think maybe one of the things I was definitely um, overconfident on was that Miami would come out and try and do the same thing. And they didn't. And and to his credit, I mean, that's the first time Tiger Viola didn't like absolutely make me wretch while I was watching it. Like, <laughs> he had a, he had a reasonably good first half and yeah. he found um, Devante Parker uh, a number of times. And that was a great first half for him. And then, you know, he doesn't have the talent around him and he's not Josh Allen. So um, you know, I don't think he's necessarily going to be good, but I don't think necessarily he's a complete bottom feeder either. Um, but I don't, you know, I think he, his best bet is to turn into, um, you know, good Trent Edwards or, you know, he's in the, he's in the Drew Brees mold of quarterbacks where it's like about high completion percentage and other stuff. But guess what? Yeah. You can't do that if, if you're not getting blocked for and you, you know, they're, they're hiking the football into the tight end. You know, that's just not going <laughs> to it's not going to work for you. We should get to three stars because uh, we're at 15 minutes and we can get into some random Bills news after that. But, Scott, if you could three stars us, that would be great. I'll three star you right in your three stars is what I'll three star. I'm going to three star her even harder. Uh, we're going to first not actually three star anything. We're going to honorable mention somebody. We're going to honorable mention Tyler Bass. Yay. As Long-time fans of the show will know, do kickers ever get three stars, guys? 
No. They do not. Not even oh, Mike they, Vanderchat. Yes. He, of course, no. he never so, bills, but. let's be clear. They can get three stars if <laughs> you are kicking in actual, like, winter conditions and or a playoff game. All right? That's when the pressure is on, and that's when you have to do your job well. If so, Vindicari and Patriots Raiders might have gotten a star. Might have the Scott Norwood rule. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that is when that is when you're in play for stars. If you're just kicking the ball in the regular season, uh, and it's a nice sunny day, nice sunny day, I'm not really interested. So Tyler Bass, great job, 57 yard field goal. I could not make. Congrats to you, my friend. <laughs> Honorable mention it is. Enjoy your AFC special teams. Yes, AFC. Player. Yes, no, not star worthy, but worthy of being the special team player of the month for the AFC. So. And, yep. Did not yep, miss a kick in October, not a, and and also kicked multiple 50-yard field goals. All his extra points, all his field goals. He was a perfect October. None of those other special team players in the entire NFL got anywhere close to three stars. So just think about that. Definitely Very not true. Matt Hack or Hawk. Exactly. Matt, yes, no, that was a— I'm was, okay with mispronouncing his name Hack at this point because yeah. he has done nothing to I deserve his name pronounced correctly. To be fair to him, I think he came to Buffalo and was like told, you won't have to punt four times in a game. <laughs> so he was probably very put out that they kept asking him to go out there. I will there say, was... I've read some stuff that he's a much better kick holder than Bohortes. And that, that, that maybe that's helped. So maybe that's yeah. how they should just reassign him and keep him as a kick holder and get Boho it's, back to that's, punt. Oh, that's, that's, he's, got, he's got, what is the defensive stat? He's got great, like, you know, run saved, but not but actually a light a lighter hitter. But he makes right. up for it in defense. Yep. Right. Um, He's the Raphael the Belliard of the, the Raphael Belliard of the Buffalo Bills, if you will. The advanced holding stats is really where you see right. his value. <laughs> <laughs> um, the <laughs> holds above replacement. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Har is it's is this commonly known? Yes. He's the Judy Greer of yes. footballs. <laughs> I think about. I just watched her. I just watched how went to the theater to see Halloween Kills, and I every time she was on screen, I'm like, "Yep, there it is. There's the above replacement right there." Um. So yeah. <laughs> the so anyway, we're we're way off track. <laughs> Shocking. I had more, but I'll just get back on track. There's okay, Devontae Parker, uh, eight catches for 85 yards. Um, you know, that was the thing. Like, honestly, like Levi Wallace did not have a bad game. He was in there on some of these throws, but Parker was just making a lot of plays. And it's he was catching him in traffic, he was catching him on the sidelines. Um, you know, it, he is a good he is a good player, and and he is uh, someone on whom you can kind of you know build a team. Obviously, it's just uh, that that is that is about it for Miami, and that was really the bright spot of their team, um, other than just kind of hanging around and hoping the Bills would. Would win. Obviously, Gasecki's a good player too. Also, a good player. Did not have a great game. This game, um, I think he did. He have a touchdown. I think he had the touchdown. Um, but regardless, he might have the two point conversion. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Um, anyway, second star, uh, Bees Cole Beasley, ten for one ten. As Frank pointed out, uh, yes, when the Bills needed an answer in the third quarter of how to get this ball moving again, we went back to the Beasley machine, and you know, did a great job. Did what he's paid to do. It's just get open in the intermediate lanes and catch passes and, uh, you know, got got hit, got dinged up on one of them, but still, you know, kept out, kept going out there and getting it done. And then that opens up that opens up digs, as we were talking about. And that's uh, that's how the Bills win the game. Um, yeah. The other reason the Bills win the game is they obviously have Josh Allen. 
29 of 42, 249, and two touchdowns. Certainly not his best first star performance, um, even in the last. I mean, like he had a better, uh, better performance probably in the Tennessee game. I would say on some level, strictly mm-hmm. from the stats, uh, this is as much about the lack of better options as it is uh, about Allen's performance per se. But the punctuating it with the, the rushing yards and the touchdown at the end um, was a nice way to to seal the first star, uh, which I know he'll he'll put on his shelf with all of his other ones. Uh, Josh Allen, way to go! I think if I think if Cole Beasley completes the touchdown pass, he's easily the first star. Yes, that would have right. done Instead it. Instead of being like, I'll launch this to Gabe Davis, even though I have no business throwing this ball right now. <laughs> it was a it was a poor it was uh yeah that was not how you're supposed to draw that up at that point you just kind of take the L and move on to the next. <laughs> right. I think Joe Biscalia's top-rated player was Tredavious White, but Tredavious, without any interceptions or anything notable, you're not for star material. Yeah, no, again, I mean, it's it's a shame, obviously, but again, we're going with hockey rules for three stars, which yep. is, you know, lots of players play well in the hockey game. The the three stars are for the big stars, right? Yeah. Yep, exactly. I didn't notice you, Teron Johnson. That's a good sign, but that doesn't make you a first star. Return 101 yards against the Ravens, you, you're going to get a star for that. Jordan Poyer, nine tackles and an interception. I mean, a nice day, but this is not advanced stats stars. This is just, you know, who who the fans want to see, my right. friends. I watched so. Josh Allen do things that help the Bills win the game. Boom. Yeah. Good, good, good criteria right there. Uh, okay, so we mentioned, thank you, Scott, for that, as always. Tyler Bass, AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. Very good. Um, they were, okay. Here's the thing. There's two other things under random Bills news. One I don't want to talk about and one I really can't talk about because I didn't read it. Um, but the stadium report was released by the state of New York. Uh, it, was, it was the New York State report, I believe. Yep. And um, they basically broke down like I, I think the big takeaways was that like the the, the roof is prohibitively expensive, um, much the way that downtown is prohibitively expensive. I felt like Paul, there wasn't anything really new in there. No, yeah. It just I, was I, sort of officially released. Right. I think the only thing of note about the report is, okay, this is, it, it was released, which means the process is moving forward. And now they're going to get on to the big talks, which is the financing of this this thing, which if you subscribe to The Athletic out there, Tim Graham had a good interview with Art Rooney II about some of the next steps in financing. So the report's out. Yes, Dome, $400 million more expensive. Yes, downtown, prohibitively more expensive, especially when you add in the, I think, $700 million in infrastructure costs that would be required to have it down there. So they'll have a public hearing on it, and then the financing will come, and that's, that's where we are with the stadium. Any thoughts on any of that, Scott? Did you get a chance? I'm guessing you probably didn't get a chance to see it. No, I did okay. not get a chance to see it. Well, Is the stadium going to be built on the lake itself? on a floating island in the middle of the lake. You know, I, I think we need to go back to the report because I don't think anybody has considered mm-hmm. that. And if it's not, I think I know a place where it might end up in the middle of the lake, and that might be next year's um, wacky, wacky schedule. schedule. Right, yes. That could be, we, maybe that's the year that we finally get the new schedule is we just have all the wacky schedule games be where is the stadium now. Right. It's Waterworld, right. And that's the Waterworld stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So this is like Alcatraz, this stadium. Um, well, uh, we can talk about. Um, oh, you know, I just I was going to make a joke about the. I don't know if you guys saw there was a lady from Rochester who used to be on the radio and now she's a real estate oh, agent. Yeah. And she said, uh, she, well, hey, they she, didn't check my fake vaccine card, but she was actually yeah. vaccinated. She just wanted to cause a stir. Um, I didn't realize she was actually vaccinated. I didn't see that part. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Well, she she had been fired from her job on the radio for more or less saying the N word, um, and has kind of been a terrible human being for quite a while. So, um, speak. And I was only thinking of this as a segue to the fact that speaking of terrible human beings, O.J. Simpson was at the football game, um, which was. I don't really understand why he was there. I noticed, I mean, I know that there were some other legends there. It was like, I think Jim was definitely there because he was talking to Dan Marino. And I think a couple of the other guys from that team were there. And obviously James Lofton was calling the game. And I'm, I, I don't know if like OJ just invited himself. Uh, he's certainly an American citizen capable of buying a ticket and allowed to be in the game. But I don't have much to say about uh, this other than, um, some people were going to get their photo taken with him and other people were really disappointed that he was there and led into the stadium at all. Uh, Scott, do you have, here's, something I have a question. Just, you don't have, I was going to say, you don't need to be an expert on this. This is a perfect, just everyone's allowed to have a take on this thing. I, but, but go for it. Yeah. I have a question and what this, you'll see where this is going fairly quickly. <laughs> Can the bills do the, the bills have the ability to ban someone for life from their stadium. Correct. It's Correct. a private stadium, so yes, I think they do. Right, yes. the guy that slid down the rail a few years ago and fell from the upper deck, I know he's been banned from the stadium. Exactly, right. like, you can, you can do that. So, shouldn't they just ban him? I understand it's complicated, but it, it seems like that's what I would do. You know, like, that's a... You don't, you, like, you, you're, yeah. as, as Frank said, you put, you... You were never convicted of a. You were convicted of a crime later, and you paid your debt for that crime. You have not been convicted. You're not currently in jail. So yes, you have some rights as an American citizen. But this is my stadium, and I don't feel like I can. I don't want to. You know, I I I would wonder if, and just this is my lawyer brain trying to work it out, Scott. And I obviously am not familiar with the laws in place, but it's it is like one of these private public places. Like OJ Simpson can't come to your house. Um, Mm -hmm. God, that that just is fucking like. We I mean, did. Like, well, I, mean, I was going to have a darker this day Bill's headlines, but Frank just made this as dark as it's going to be, right. I think. Yeah. What I meant is, what I'm trying to get at is, like, <laughs> you are allowed to tell him no, and he is supposed to respect that. Um, <laughs> right? Is it but, a like, public a accommodation? Stadium, a stadium is kind of like a, a public-private. It's like a mall. It's like a public-private. Like, the mall is privately owned, but it's sort of a public utility good. And so I'm wondering if, like, unless he does something specifically within the stadium or adversely affect the game if they would have cause his name is also on the yes i was about to bring this up like can you be on the do not you are you the banned from the stadium list and the wall of fame in the city you know he would be the only one to be on both of those lists i would imagine well there i saw that there was a call to have him removed from the, the the ring of honor yeah um I don't know. He's a fucking mess. And honestly, the further he stays away from things, the better. Um, I never, I mean, everything I've ever seen or read about him, I've never got the sense that he's any sort of good person. Um, Obviously, like there are very clear, like, um, you know, most of America believes he's a murderer. Um, I I, I still hesitate to say that because he was only civilly found to have murdered somebody, not criminally. um, certainly a, a convicted thief. It was a very civil murder. As opposed yeah, it was to not at all, case. though. Um, he's certainly a convicted thief. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a... There's a fair amount of convicted felons in the Bills crowd on any given day anyway. Let's be right, exactly. <laughs> um, in any event, just in any place. Uh, to me, this is just like, I'm more... I wonder, like, how many people who are getting their pictures with him were like, 
just just were like didn't really Someone like him, him but were like couldn't pass up the opportunity to like like they would have also gotten a picture with charles manson or something you know right um it's like oh like, hey look john wayne gacy's at this game i mean yeah yeah cult of personality kind of thing um but i yeah i don't know i maybe we should get out of here before before somebody really says something they regret <laughs> Because it's just, I think we all agree that there's a certain grossness to it. And even if we, you know, ultimately can't do anything about it, we're, this is one of those things that like, you know, if I was a politician, I would run on this. I'd be like, I now make sure that OJ Simpson's never at a football game. Even though I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Um, injuries. These are all our did not practices for two days in a row. Uh, Feliciano, Dawson Knox with his hand, obviously, uh, and then Spencer Brown with his back, and mm-hmm. Cole Beasley with his ribs, and Jordan Poyler with a shoulder. Now, yep. did and Poyer was just today. Not? Everyone was do not practice both days, except Poyer was fine yesterday and did not practice today. So something happened to his shoulder either at the end of yesterday's practice or the beginning of today's, yeah, or, or before today's, I should say. Well, so you know, obviously, I think we had thought that. Knox was one that we sort of had expected not to necessarily be back. Everybody yeah, else. Yeah, I, I think Knox and Feliciano are almost certainly out. And I think you know, you asked Al Capaccio a good question, Frank, which was, do you think this is just kind of uh, McDermott's way of resting them before a game against a, an inferior opponent? And Sal gave the answer like, no, that's not really how McDermott operates. But I could question Sal and be like, well, that's maybe not how McDermott wants us to think he operates. But he's not going to say like, well, the Jaguars suck. So we're just going to, you know, not really prepare, you know, as physically all out as we would if we were going to play like a divisional rival or something. But that's my thought. I I mean, I tend to believe, uh, you know, I obviously went to our insider on the podcast here that we pay handsomely to report for us. No, Um, (laughs) Sal Capaccio is very good at his job. And um but he, he, i just i i kicked it out there to see if he would a- answer it and he he just sort of said that doesn't feel like that's not mcdermott style and I, I i probably tend to agree based on everything else publicly that we know i had wondered you know there's 17 games this season there's an extra game so could you sneak in rest for somebody against what you know you basically have considered as the worst opponent going forward you know of, of a, a litany of teams that aren't great like this one's by far the worst that, that's left on the schedule and maybe this is a good week to um rest guys or n- maybe not necessarily have them play um i think if you had to pick a game where they they players didn't play this would probably be it but i think you still want the guys out there if you can get them out there um and i tend to believe that like you know it's they're probably hurting if they're not practicing we'll have to see if they don't you know thursday's usually i think Thursday is usually the day that that he says, like, if they're not practicing by Thursday, they're usually out. But yeah, we'll have to see on Friday if any of them are limited. Um, But otherwise, that's a big that's a lot of people. You know, that's, you know, it is especially Brown, Feliciano and Poyer are all starters, you know, in addition to Knox. So that's five guys. Um, Everybody else here is a veteran rest day. And then Justin Zimmer has a foot injury, but he's still a full participant. Scott, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you got to, I think, yeah, I think you got to put him out there unless there's something really, really bad. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in one of these games. Obviously, the Dolphins lost to the Jaguars not too long ago. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe the Jaguars are, you know, Trevor Lawrence has got some talent, you know, um, obviously they're desperate for a win. So you, you, you can't take it blah, 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 all the cliches, you know, you definitely can't rest them against that Mike White Jets team coming up. Well, <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> Offensive player of the week, Mike White, just like with last year, no one will ever remember that there was defensive player of the week, uh, AJ Klein. There you go. I didn't. I didn't remember that, and he was. He's on my team. Yeah, against the Seahawks. Now he plays about three defensive snaps a week, if that. Uh, yeah. So that's it, though. I, yeah, I'm fine. I'm. I'm. I'm fine uh, taking it easy with him. But obviously, like at some point, you got if you don't want to get in a position where people feel like you know they can they can take it easy for some weeks in general because and and as a result, injuries um, or people being hurt or not. Um, something that you then have to push through for game day because that's that's every NFL team every week is guys pushing through injuries to get ready for game day. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of injuries, I'm going to pull up NFL scores here. But Derrick Henry um, turns out broke his foot, broke his foot early in the game uh, last week uh, in their in their victory over their 34-31 victory over the Colts. That's a familiar score. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he's out now for basically a minimum of six weeks. It sounds like it, his season could be over, but they're not saying that because obviously he's such a key piece that they are going to hold out all hope against hope that his Jones fracture can recover. And he's a, um, this has nothing to do with anything, I guess, but the way I was thinking about it was like, he seems like such a strong guy. He might be the kind of guy who rehabs well, you know, like, Maybe he's like one of maybe, you know, he's a professional athlete, so they are going to give him every benefit that he can to get him back on the field to, you know, if they can get him back in time for the end of the season or even I would suppose at this point, the playoffs. Um, His is certainly the I think the biggest injury, the the biggest sort of news on the AFC side of things. Um, There is a weird story with Aaron Rodgers not being vaccinated and getting covid and alternative medicines. Um, Scott basically described him as a human Mad Lib in that you don't really understand the words that come after his name in a headline anymore. Um, and I think that's fair. And then a couple of big trades, um, with, uh, with some of the, the NFC teams, but, uh, the other big upset, but there were some upsets too, because that's what I wanted to bring this up. So we had, uh, the aforementioned Mike White leading the Jets to a 34, 31 victory over the Bengals. Um, so that's a top team that, that took a loss. Um, and you have the Steelers being the Browns to kind of climb back into things. The Patriots beat the Chargers 27-24. That's maybe – no, the Jets one has to be the biggest upset, even though it's yeah. the Bengals. But, like, yeah. the Chargers are probably the best team to have lost last week, uh, except maybe in the NFC, the Saints and Buccaneers. But I'm really not thinking about them too much right now. Um, and the Chiefs, you know, escape with a win on Monday night uh, over the over the Giants. And you have a bit of a hodgepodge. In the AFC again, AFC standings. Gonna pull them up. The Bills are still in fourth place based on on um, They're all tied in the loss column. They Buffalo, are all tied in the loss column. Tennessee and Las Vegas all have two losses. Right. It's a weird thing and it it doesn't really mean anything yet because as you said, they're not, you know, it's like we haven't even played enough AFC conference games to really determine who's who's who. So the Bills are both first and fourth. But I think based on like some weird math as of today, they would be fourth. But of course, today is not the day that we we count all the, the 
Uh, if there's if there's one thing we're allowed to be today, it's pissed about the Tennessee loss still because now the Bills would be in the complete driver's seat with yeah. With I will well, say the Titans are seven point underdogs this week going in to face the Rams. So well, we'll let say me, they, let that's a game. Rams are a good squad. Rams yeah. are a good squad. Rams that's, are a great squad. That's a game where the Bills need the Rams to win to get back in that wild card spot position. Or get back, excuse me, that number one buy position. Let me turn that to you all the way then, Paul. Yeah. Do, you, I mean, do you think the Bills are in the driver's seat now? Because I, I think the Henry, Henry is probably the only, I said this kind of last week, he's probably the only running back that, that moves the needle anymore. Like there's maybe him and and Kamara and is it McCaffrey is the other guy? Like yeah. I think he's like, like those are probably the only three running backs that move the needle and maybe Henry uh, biggest amongst all of them. Um you know, I think you would say Tennessee was in the driver's seat, but, you know, losing Henry's big. So what do you think about this? And then Scott, and then we'll go to this day in Bill's headlines. Yeah, I would say it's kind of 50-50 between the Bills and the Titans. And yes, the Titans have the Rams, and then they have to go home next week and play the Saints, who may be with another super backup from this week, Trevor Simeon, who came in and beat the Bucks. Also, I need to mention Cooper Rush, who did great for the, the Cowboys, another backup quarterback this week who came in victorious. Otherwise, the Titans go to face the Steelers, and the rest of their schedule is pretty middling. They have the the only they're the only team with an easier schedule than the Bills. So even without Henry, do I think they can beat the Texans twice? I I do because I think the three of us could probably beat the Texans twice at least once. There's there's not a lot of challenge here, so I think the Titans will definitely lose some games. But we're looking at the Bills' schedule. We're depending on them to go 4-0 against the remainder of the AFC East. Doesn't seem too bad, but what if Mike White goes off again? What if the Patriots continue the ascent they've had the last few weeks where they're playing good football, including at the quarterback position? You've got the Buccaneers. You yourselves have the Saints to, to worry about. But I think the Bills are also a better team. I think they're more likely to win some of those games or all uh, most of those games as the, the Titans are. I think if they can get to... 13 and four, which is realistic. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans end up losing five to six. And when you look at the other teams at the top, they've all shown weaknesses. The Ravens have their weaknesses. We saw the the Bengals that played the other week. The Steelers are not looking like too big a threat right now because they started slow, but you can't ignore the fact that they're only a game and a half behind the Bills and have the head the head-to-head advantage. So a lot could still happen, but all that said, I still think the Bills are I still think it's going to be the Bills to lose by the end of the season. So as long-winded a way as I could of agreeing with Frank on that point. Scott, what about you? And then one of the other things we didn't mention was I was thinking about the Raiders. I mean, uh, that guy Ruggs, oh, he's, yeah, he's Ruggs. gone. And I mean, that's and that's just like the the smallest part of that story. But I, I'm wondering if between that and them losing the coach, if like if Las Vegas is about to like have a serious ripple effect of of just grief and nonsense i don't know yeah i mean yeah i mean las vegas has 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 the has the division kind of working in their favor in the sense of not a you know the chargers are are a decent team kansas city continues to i mean did they lose to the giants they beat the giants by three but they have a they have a negative point differential the chiefs they're they're 12 under yeah, they're not they're not playing well. I mean, they only score twenty points against the Giants. That's that's telling you something. Um, so you know their division is is not that is they've got some advantages in their division. It's not that strong. I could see them kind of limping to the finish and still getting in. 
um, just because of that. But yeah, obviously it's not it's not certain. I think the Bills have a good shot, but um, you know I don't know. It, it, there's a long way to go. That's I think I'll stop. That's there. true. Ten games left for the Bills. Ten games left for the Bills. One of which is Jacksonville, which we will discuss. But first, we need to do uh, our marquee trademark best of all best segments in all of uh, football podcasting. This day in Bills headlines. Yay. Talk to us by Paul. And then uh, let's see how we do this week. All right. So we're going to go to uh, November 4th. Two quick shout outs. Uh, my wife and I started our real uh, more serious dating on this date in 2010. So uh, happy day there. And remember, then, remember the 4th of November. I, that's right. what that poem's about. Yep. And then we have a potential new listener who's interested in podcasting. His name is Noah. I met him at a party on Friday so uh, or Saturday last week. So, Noah, I just wanted to remind uh, to give you a shout out if you're listening. If not, this will go into the ether. So yep. we will start with a nice warm up question for you guys for November 4th. This is from 2019. Blank has breakthrough performance versus Washington. He's super shifty, man, wide receiver Cole Beasley said after the Bills' 24-9 win over Washington. When someone meets him in the hole, they better come to bounce because he's gonna he's got some hips and some wiggle, and he makes guys look silly out there. That sounds to me like Devin Singletary. That would be, that would be correct. So Frank's got his brain warmed up and ready to go. All right. Number two, 2016, Seahawks reflect on prospect of facing ex-teammate blank. Said defensive end Cliff Avril, I have nothing but hats off to blank. He was a heck of a ball player. I think injuries kind of slowed him down a bit while he was here, but he was a great teammate. I never had issues with him. I'm sure he's got a lot in the tank. We'll see if he plays. Hopefully he's not, but we'll see. And if he does, we'll handle it accordingly. So I will give a hint. He did play his first game of the year that year for the Bills. He picked up 21 offensive snaps uh, against Seattle. This was that Monday night tie rod game where they almost went the end, but couldn't quite do it. Um, he started the next week, played 46 snaps and caught two passes for six yards and had one run for 11 yards. And then he never played again. He had injuries nagged him. He retired, debated on retiring, but eventually stayed retired. Did we have Golden Tate on our team? We did not, but you're definitely on the right path. Yeah. Golden Tate went to, to Detroit. And... Right. This is a guy who had his best season with Minnesota in 2011 with 87 catches for 967 yards. But many fans will remember him for his one. He had one kick return in the Super Bowl, uh, which he took to the house when Seattle beat Denver 43 to eight, which was like eight years ago. And he played for the Bills. He had a big catch from Tyrod in the opener against the Colts in 2016 for a touchdown on kind of like a bomb. Mm, I'm drawing a blank. Mm. Um, let's yeah, see. Tough. I'm trying to think who else would be on the other wide receivers on that team. Would be this is like when we're doing like Jordan Matthews maybe would be on the team. It's not him. He's yep. from the Eagles. This is um, 2016. 2016. 2016. Yeah. So you're at the tail end of the. This is the end of Ryan. Yeah. Yes. This is the end of the Marquise Goodwin, Robert Woods. Uh, Chris Hogan, Sammy Watkins era, and this guy was going to be kind of a piece in that puzzle. I think. No, uh, I, I don't got it. I don't I got it. it. But if I said Jackson in the Olympians, would that help? Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. There we go. So, good old Percy. All right. 
2014. No quiz, but I just felt the need to bring up this headline. Is Kyle Orton the Bills QB of the future? Um, <laughs> he was in the sense that he would play six more games with the Bills that season and then retire. Yeah. All right. 2013. Um, two big mistakes undermine a game performance by the Bills. So I'll lead into this one. You're going to remember this one, unfortunately. It's always difficult to rank the latest ruinous soul-destroying loss by the Bills. This one ranks right up there or down there. Sean Smith came up with a tide-turning 100-yard interception return touchdown of Jeff Toole in the third quarter. Wow. Tom Bailey took a fumble back 11 yards for a go-ahead score in the fourth as the Chiefs uh-huh. rally past the banked-up Bills 23-13. to yeah. um, So here's the question. To be fair, Tool didn't get a lot of help. There were at least six drops by Bills receivers, and the Chiefs scored another defensive touchdown when Tamba Holly picked up a fumble by Bills receiver blank and ran 11 yards into the end zone. Right to us, where we, we saw both uh, Chiefs defensive touchdowns in the end zone. We were sitting in about yeah. six rows back. Which mm. Bills Yep, so now we're just before the era just discussed, which was commonly known as the Watkins-Woods-Goodwin-Hogan era. So we're now in the batch before so that. These, these Stevie johnson right. Um, right, Stevie was the one who was looking frustrated in the end zone on the pass attempted for him uh, in, uh, the, in the end zone before. So he was on this team. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go like... This might be before. This might be after he left, but I'll just say like Sean Nelson. Sean yeah, good guess. It was just after he left. Uh, oh, Donald Jones. Another good guess. Uh, favorite type of cracker, maybe for either of you guys. It's... <laughs> the famous Salt- name in Roosevelt. Jimmy cracker, of course. <laughs> uh, think of think of the initials. The the something. You know, all the bills it's have tough. these first two. And, okay, it's, it's TJ Graham. TJ Graham. <laughs> we were going to go on forever with those hints. All right, this will be a little easier. 2012, losing his frustrating tie that bars that binds Jaguars linebacker blank in return to Buffalo. Lesney. Lesney. All right, there we go. All right, uh, 2008, uh, disturbance at Ralph was couple having sex. Police say uh, a woman. Law enforcement official said Monday was having sex with her boyfriend in a blank car. Car is a good yeah. guess. Got uh, Jersey. I mean, is this with the Jersey? It is. It is no, not the Alonzo one. That's the car. That was the car. Right. We were at that game. <laughs> All right. So, Scott, any guess? Frank says car. Uh, uh uh, I thought it was in the stadium. That's what I remember. Up in the upper deck. All right. So we have upper deck and car. Incorrect, gentlemen. Great guesses. The correct guess was bathroom stall. Ah. Oh, so, yep. <laughs> All right. Two, I had to mix it up a little bit. Uh, 2003. Blank signs contract extension. The 27-year-old Blank has played in all eight games for the Bills in 2003 with seven starts at tight end. He ranks fourth on the team with 23 receptions covering 197 yards. Jay Reimersma? Nope, this was post Reimersma by one year. Mark Campbell? Mark Campbell is correct. Yes. Uh, I thought it was interesting to note that in three seasons with the Bills, 03 to 05, he had 70 catches for 681 yards and 60 Ds. And that means that in each of those seasons, he led the Bills' tight ends in receptions and yards. That's like one season of Scott Chandler. 
like as bad as the Bills tight ends have been, that was an especially dark era where it's like, yeah, they're top receiver for three straight years. The three, the totals for those three years, Matt Scott Chandler. All right. 20 years ago, 2001, blank looks for redemption. Uh, at Jacksonville, I missed my first two kicks. So you want to redeem yourself. Everybody played so great. So you're thinking, okay, you missed two. If you want a job next week, you better knock this one down. It's San Diego, the same thing. We fought our butts off and just fell short. I couldn't tell what happened on the blocked kick. I hit it good and it came off my foot well. Everyone wanted to win that game so bad. And Mr. Wilson wanted the most of all. I'm really sick. We couldn't pull it out for him. Um, so you might wonder what happened to this Bill's kicker. So um, he said uh, there's no way I, he was going to have any more miss kick. Or he, was, he was just very boldly saying that he was not going to get kicks blocked and stuff. So what happened to this Bill's kicker is on the day this interview ran, he had a kick blocked in the third quarter that would put the Bills that would have put the Bills within a TD of Indy. Instead, they got crushed. Uh, he played three more games. He missed a field goal in every one. He was cut, and he never played in the NFL again. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. This Gosh. was the dark Greg Williams three and thirteen year. Yeah, it. This is hard to. I mean, it is. I'll give you a hint, a big hint. I hope um, his middle name is the same as his father's name. And his father is a Super Bowl winning head coach and is still the head coach for the team he won a Super Bowl with. Is it Jake Arians? Jake Arians. That did it. I knew that would get wow. out there. So Jake Arians, Bill's kicker of 2001. They replaced him with, uh, I think, Shane Graham uh, toward the end of that season. Shane Graham. Yeah. Uh, he'll be a future of the Stain Bills headlines for sure. All right. 1996. So going back uh, 25 years now. Blank running for brother's life. And I apologize in advance uh, to our sensitive listeners on this one. Uh, the murders were as stunning to blank as they were to everyone else in the neighborhood. Three teenagers gunned down on a Halloween night in 1993. On Thursday, another Halloween night, some 3,000 miles and three years removed from the Pasadena, California slains. Blank received more shocking news after leaving practice with the Buffalo Bills. A jury recommended Blank's brother, Carl, one of three men convicted in the gang-related killings, be sentenced to death. Um, he looked at his co-defendants and grinned as the decision was read in court. Less than 72 hours after realizing his brother was headed to California for a California death house, Blank rushed for 122 yards and scored three touchdowns to lead the Bills to a 38-13 victory over Washington. Well, let's see. This is 1996 headline. Yep. So it could be Kenneth Davis. Could be a little bit after Kenneth, about four years late or three years late, maybe. Well, 96 is still Thurman as the main back. Yes. So this was the 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 complimentary back with Thomas at the time. So we'll give a happier. Timothy Chalamet. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, Chalamet. Uh, the, the, there was a depressing story about this Bills player's parentless upbringing. He got into trouble with the law after his career ended. That included getting shot seven times in 2010. Uh, but he lived and he's now turned his life around. He has one son who is in his second season as a cornerback for the Giants and had an interception of Mahomes. It was overturned by a penalty on Monday night. And then he's got another son playing college football. Frank might remember him most because I know he remembers this game, too, where the Bills were down inside the 49ers one yard line. There is a tie game. Yes. They handed it to him. He got hit, fumbled, and then the 49ers ran it all the way back for a touchdown. Yes. Derek Holmes. Derek Holmes. I knew that would get get you over the there top. There you go. 
All right, and our last headline. Uh, this will be either note or you don't. We're going to go back 35 years now to 1986. Blank dismissed by Bills. Last season, Ralph Wilson, the owner of the Buffalo Bills, waited four games before dismissing his head coach, Kay Stevenson. This season, he showed more restraint. Wilson waited nine games before dismissing Stevenson's successor, Blank, who yesterday became the second NFL coach who failed to finish the season. Blank, whose record was 2-7 and seven this season, 4-19 overall, was replaced by Marv Levy, who had coached the Kansas City Chiefs from 1978 through 1982, helping them rise out of mediocrity but never into the playoffs. The Chiefs' best record under Levy was 9-7 and seven in 1981. Yeah, the famous guy before. Right, Levy. the 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 bridge, the bridge guy uh, leading to Marv Levy. Played college football at Michigan State and graduated in 54. He was a starting guard for the Spartans team that won the 1954 Rose Bowl, which I'm sure Scott remembers. No, I'm sure he does not. Uh, he was a defensive Jackie, coordinator with the Bengals, Tudor Dick LeBeau. What's that, Scott? Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Jackie uh, Mason. Jackie Mason. We're going with the Jackies. Uh you got to think more King of the Hill. The answer is is Hank. Bola. Uh, Hank Bola. Very good. So uh, so we had some easy ones. We had some hard ones. I think that was a good mix. Uh, yeah. And I'm never putting that much research into another one. I spent a long time on that on Monday night. So well, that is this day in Bill's headlines for November 4th. And that is your warning that I'm going to slack on it next week. And they're going to be either good. super easy or super hard and not the right combination. Sounds good to me. You should. You deserve a slack here and there. <laughs> uh, speaking of slack, are the Bills going to slack against the Jacksonville Jaguars? They're one and six. Uh, they're terrible. Um, the predicted score is thirty-four point eight to twelve point four on the old odd shark. There, it was thirteen and a half, and now I, I see lines at fourteen and a half. So apparently, the odds makers are not too worried about any of the injuries uh, currently with the with the Buffalo Bills. They certainly don't see that as preventing the Bills from from winning the football game. I mean, as Scott said earlier, Trevor Lawrence has some talent. I think that there is probably somebody else on that team who's talented. Um, their head coach, I did. I never watched the video, but apparently he likes to dirty grind with girls at bars and not, you know, fly home with the team after a loss. Uh, I mean, who amongst us? Right. Who amongst us hasn't done that at some point? <laughs> right. Um, I'm hopeful that the Bills will just sort of go into this game coming out of the Dolphins game and just decide to, you know, this might be a great game to start with a script, but really just like let your playmakers make some plays because if you're going to have some, some line issues and if you're going to have Cole Beasley down, I think you're just going to try and get the ball into the hands of some of the, the other people, you know, I really don't ever want to see the bills line up in a bunch, not a bunch formation, like a tight formation. Again, I want to see them always spread out period, because I think that guys like Josh Allen thrive there. And so maybe this is a good week to practice that with some of the other people. Um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to, they won't be um, in any sort of trouble here. I, I think even with the injuries, if these guys didn't play, I would be more worried, but not necessarily worried. I think I'll take the Bills to win this game. Um, I think I'll I'll say I'll say you know let's let's say they have a weird offensive day. Let's say that they are down offensively. I think they I think they're gonna win. Let's say twenty two to fourteen. I don't think it'll be like a, a blowout necessarily. Maybe they'll struggle if they have some of these offensive weapons missing. But I don't really think that the um, the Jaguars can overcome the Bills defense. Cause I think that's the, one of the really nice things we didn't talk about directly was, 
you know, even when they struggle offensively, the, the defensive unit is there um, and able to pick them up. Um, Scott? Yeah, um, I think that the Bills are going to win this game. I think the the uh, the Jaguars have uh, potential to be a better team in the near future. I do not think that they're there yet. Um, and I will take advantage of the one time that Frank did not pick the Bills to win in a blowout. I will say the Bills win in a blowout. So I will <laughs> yes. go ahead and say uh, Bills 31, Jaguars 13. Yeah, so pretty close to that that computed store. But, All right. Well, uh, I, I told the computer what to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott the- wins the prize for last week by picking the Bills to only win by 21, 34 to 13. And they, of course, won by 16. Frank had 40 to 15. I had 56 to 16. So I was way, way off last week. My scores well, really won that hundred point total. That's what you were. That's what you were I, aiming for. That was yeah. It had. I wanted them to put up over a hundred this year against Finns. Didn't happen. Oh well. Uh, the score I had I had typed in already is extremely similar to Frank's. It's an eight point victory where the offense has some struggles a bit, uh, but eventually they're able to take advantage of just a really poor jaguar secondary even though they thought they'd be good in that way this year they have not been per every ranking out there i'll say the bills 24 to 16 so also an eight point victory where the bills offense scores in the low to mid 20s point wise well if you'd like to get us your scores we didn't do listener questions this week because we we uh were so busy with life but you can always get a hold of us mny bills were there during the game um and you can tweet us all week we'll happily talk to you there um or no, that's pretty much it. That's the only way we want you to contact <laughs> us. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we'll have another podcast for you next week. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.